Welcome to the Eastern Oklahoma Catholic Podcast, your source for all things Catholic in the Diocese of Tulsa and Eastern Oklahoma. A reading from the first letter of Peter. He that loved life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do right. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The word of the Lord. Peter here gives us the recipe for the good life. Do good, avoid evil. But it's not just about doing good, it's also about being good. As Peter writes, the eyes of the Lord fall upon the righteous. In other words, what Peter's telling us here is that the good life is the life of virtue. So if we're going to get serious about living the good life, we need to talk about virtue. So let's start with the question, what is virtue? St. Thomas Aquinas defines it as a good habit. But of course, this just leads to further questions. What is a habit and what makes a habit good? One aspect of a habit is that it's a disposition or readiness to act. Take, for example, a martial artist. He has a certain readiness built into his muscle memory that enables him to counter the attack of the aggressor and take him down. Now, a habit's not just a disposition or readiness. It's an enduring disposition or readiness, something that's not easily changeable. Again, the martial artist's readiness abides in him in a way that it's not easily lost. He would have to ignore his training for quite some time in order for him to totally lose that disposition or readiness. So a habit is a disposition or readiness to perform some human act. But what makes a habit good? Well, a good habit is an inner disposition or readiness to perform a good human act. A thief might be disposed and ready to quickly steal a woman's purse, but we recognize that ain't no good habit, right? That's not a good habit. Why? Well, because stealing a woman's purse is not a good human act. In contrast, for the cop who's trained and ready to capture the thief, we say he has a good habit because capturing the thief is a good human act. So a good habit is an enduring disposition or readiness to perform a good human act. Now, a question arises here. Is there a way for us to determine what is a good human act that goes beyond mere intuition? Because in the two previous examples, we were just going with intuitions as to which of the activities was good or bad. Well, the answer to the question is yes, we can, but we have to start by getting a grasp of the notion of the good. What's good for a living creature is determined by the purposes for which its natural powers exist. For example, the power of growth for the roots of an oak tree is for the sake of, it's directed toward providing the tree with nutrients from the soil and stability. When the roots of the oak tree achieve these ends or goals, we say that's good for the oak tree. 
And anything that's going to help the roots of the tree achieve these goals or ends, such as water, fertilizer, or light, is good for the tree. If the roots of the tree do not achieve these ends or goals, we say is bad for the tree. And anything that's going to frustrate the roots of the tree achieving these goals, we say, is bad for the tree, such as chopping the roots off or poisoning the tree. Now, this notion of the good applies to us as human beings as well. We have natural powers that exist for or order toward what is perfective of our nature as human beings. It's ordered to things that are going to help us flourish as human beings. For example, the power to eat is for the sake of eating things that actually nourish us. <laughs> when we eat things that actually nourish us, that's perfective of our power to eat and thereby good for us. If we were to eat things that did not actually nourish us in any way whatsoever, like dirt or glass, that would be bad for us. So, a good human action is an action that's going to be consistent with, accords with, in harmony with, fits within the order of good inscribed in our nature determined by the purposes for which our natural powers exist. A bad action, on the other hand, is going to be a human act that's not consistent with this order of good inscribed in our nature. That's not consistent with what's good for us. God has inscribed this order of good within our nature to serve as a natural guide for us to know what is good and bad human behavior. This order of good inscribed in our nature is what we call the natural moral law. And it's this natural moral law that enables us to know and follow the fundamental moral precept that Peter talks about, do what is right and avoid evil. So in conclusion, virtue is the enduring disposition or readiness to perform a human act that's consistent with what's perfective of our human nature, an act that's going to be consistent with what is good for us as human beings. And given that the good life is a virtuous life, it follows that the good life is living life habitually in a way that fits with what is good for us as human beings. That good life, being the virtuous life, is basically living life habitually in accord with the natural moral law, which is basically God's natural way of expressing to us His plan for authentic human happiness. So, Adam, in the lecture, I was talking about the notion of the good and how the good is determined by the purposes for which our natural powers exist. So, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit more about this notion of the good and maybe give some more examples of some other powers that we have as human beings and what's good for us in light of those powers. And I think that might help flesh this notion of the good out and what we mean by it. Yeah, man. Hey, it's so good to be here. And like in your parish, this is your parish now. 
It's, uh, it's great to have you here in, in the Diocese of Tulsa, well, Carlo. And, it's and great to be here. Have Catholic answers here in Tulsa. That's like right. that's epic. I, I'm so excited to have you here. Good times. Man. Yeah, it's so good. Like, and I, you know, so I love talking about this topic of the good life. Right. I have uh, five children, and so the good life really matters not only for me but also to be able to pass it on to my my right. children. Right, and have them understand what is truly the good life. You're a good man. I and, well, I mean, that's, this is what this, well, I, I can only I can only say that because of my father, right? My, my father had, was a good example for me. But um, so it, it's really interesting. Like, uh, I got a tomahawk for Christmas one year for my wife. Okay, epic, epic for present. your wife. My wife got me a tomahawk okay. for Christmas. Phenomenal present. So we're outside, and I'm I'm teaching the kids, the boys, how to throw it, how to properly throw a tomahawk. Right. Right. And we have this big tree out uh, in the backyard, and I'm just showing them like, here's how you throw it, and we kind of spray painted a target on there, and how many paces you're supposed to stay, take back, and then throw it, and yeah. we're, we're working it back and forth, and I'm showing them how to do it, and they're doing it, they're getting all into it, and hitting the target, and we're all oh, we're all getting excited, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. high fiving each other, and um. What happened though, that I did not foresee, at least at the time, I was a little blinded by what, by what, was, I, what I was actually doing, yeah, is about four weeks later, all of a sudden, I was getting some dead leaves falling, and it was in the summertime. Now, was, what was the target again? The tree. The tree. The tree. Okay. The tree. <laughs> which is what, something you talked about in your lecture, right? Right, it, it, right, is, the, right. It, it, is what a tree's for. And so I realized, oh, this act, this tomahawk that we're throwing into the tree, it's killing the tree. <laughs> it's it's actually killing the tree. And so we How ended up there. You is engaging in sports <laughs> that are killing trees. <laughs> I know. And so I felt so silly because we had to actually end up cutting the tree down. <laughs> uh, and it was a big tree. Right. right. I, I, and it's not like we kept doing it over and over sure, and over sure, and over sure. again. But uh, those times that we did. It ended up killing the tree. Adam, you know, that's why they make tomahawk throwing facilities. <laughs> right. But I mean, why not do it just in the backyard? Right. Um, and so, like, it's really interesting because this this goes to show you actually, like, what is good for a tree and what is not good for a right. tree. Turns out, Carlo, I don't know if you're aware, but tomahawks, not good for the well, life of yeah, a tree. He's going into the tree. Not good, not for, good the for it. Tree. Right. And this is kind of what you brought up in your lecture, right? right? You're talking, you talking about like, okay, what is good that makes a tree grow, right? So you have water, you have sunshine, sure. fertilizer. Those are the things that help the roots of the tree achieve their purposes of providing stability for the tree and nutrients to the tree, right. which is good for the tree. Right. Which right. causes it to grow. Right. And your tomahawk is not good, not for, the good for the tree. Right. It's bad for the tree. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is that the nature of the tree is the very thing that's determining what's good or bad for the tree. That's yeah. exactly right. So I know, like we said, a, a shocker that an axe is not good. <laughs> it thwarts the good of the tree to grow. That's right. right. You know, right. and so it's same, same with a chainsaw, yeah. same with a uh, fire. You know, there's all these different things that thwart the good of the tree. Yeah, because it conflicts with its natural powers and right. the functioning of its natural powers. Yeah, and as I pointed out in the lecture, that notion of the good applies to us as human beings as well because we have certain natural powers that when they function properly, we're flourishing as a human being and that's good for us when these powers are achieving the very goals that they're naturally for. So I brought up the power to eat. Or there's some other examples that you could think of, some other natural powers that we yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is good. Like, so if we step back and we take a step back and say, okay, well, if we understand what's good or bad for the growth of a tree, 
then you can take that and say like, okay, well, what is good or bad right. for the growth of a human, for, for the good of a human being, right? For the good of my boys, for the good right. of my wife, for, for, for myself. Yeah. And that requires knowing certain powers that we have. So right. we have the power to see, I can see the lights, right? Right. So it's a good thing whenever I'm using that power and it's achieving its purpose of seeing. But if I stare at the sun using that power, I would be perverting that power because in the act of seeing the sun, I would be damaging the eyes. Right. Right. And damage, damaging the power of seeing, which is not good for me. Right. And other powers would be the power of hearing. Sure. It would be absurd to use my hearing up against a blasting loud speaker that's right you know thwarting the good of the hearing that's right? right or the sexual powers which are ordered to procreation unit of love thwarting those ends namely concept uh, contraception that's right. right or rape those would be right. two examples of thwarting the two goals of our sexual powers that's not good for us right? right and so yeah this notion of the good can easily be grasped when we begin thinking about the purposes of our natural powers. I must That's say right. this, the tomahawk that you were throwing, if yeah. it was going into the tree, that was a good throw. It was a good because throw. Because it achieved its purpose and it was a good axe for going into the tree. <laughs> right. But not good for the tree. Not good for the tree. Okay. That's right. All right. So uh, in the Catholic moral tradition, talking about virtue, right? right? In the Catholic moral tradition, we often distinguish between these two levels of virtue, mm -hmm. natural virtues, mm -hmm. supernatural virtues. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering if you could talk about that distinction, like what makes the difference between the two. Sure. And maybe we can talk a little bit about, identify some of the core natural virtues, which in our tradition we call the cardinal virtues. Sure. Yeah. I love like reading and learning about virtues, right? Because as you, the more you learn about virtues, the more you realize how many there actually are right? and how much they're intertwined with one another. And as you grow in one virtue, then you actually grow in multiple or virtues. Maybe you realize how fall short or you are, you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good point uh, um, uh, in certain virtues right. right and so like as you said like so, so there's these natural virtues that even um you know the ancients talk about right the developing these natural virtues namely like what you're saying the, the cardinal virtues yeah now there's a lot of uh, uh natural virtues that flow from the cardinal virtues right that's why they're called cardinal right because all the other ones hinge upon them or tie to them in some way and come from them that's right and they're they're uh prudence justice fortitude and temperance yes Right. And just like as most things in, in, in Catholic theology and in our Catholic faith, there's a hierarchy, there's mm -hmm. a hierarchy of goods. Yeah. Right. Similarly, there's a hierarchy in, in these cardinal virtues. Prudence. Prudence. Just, so prudence is the first. Right. So prudence is like the, what they call the mother of all right. uh, of all the cardinal virtues, because everything that all the virtues flow from prudence. Uh, you can't be just or you can't uh, have fortitude or you can't have temperance without being prudent. Yeah, I like how Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas puts it as how prudence is the governor of all the others because it's prudence that tells us what it is to be just That's or right. in what circumstance justice is, is applied, right? right? Prudence tells us how to be temperate. Prudence tells us how to be courageous because right. prudence is that enduring readiness mm -hmm. virtue. Virtue, right? right? 
for this good habit, enduring readiness to seek counsel and knowledge for determining what is right or wrong human behavior in a concrete circumstance. That's so it's right. telling us, hey, in this case, this is just, this is not just. That's right. Prudence is telling us this is courageous, not courageous. Prudence is telling us, hey, this is temperate, this is not temperate. And so that sheds light upon how prudence is the mother or the governor right. of all these other virtues. Now, uh, just for clarification, when you're using courage and fortitude, they're, yeah. they're, those are basically interchangeable, right? There's a little bit of a distinction, but for, for, our, for our conversation, when we say court courage, Correct. It, it, fortitude, fortitude is right. the same thing. Yeah, it's it's that virtue, uh, the, the good habit mm -hmm. in virtue of which we're able to attain a good or pursue the good mm -hmm. despite the difficulty, right? right? So it's going to involve some difficulty that presents itself when I'm pursuing some good thing mm -hmm. and I... I'm able to overcome that difficulty in light of the arduous moment, in light, light of it being right. difficult, and, and still pursue it despite the difficulty. Right, right. So I'm always trying to think of like how do we how do we teach these virtues? Right, okay. the, the prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance. Because yeah. uh, while I think we should use this as in daily language, because the language ends up being the end goal. Right, if we become if we start using the word let's be prudent, right? Like then the, your kids and even ourselves will start thinking about like, oh, well, what does prudent mean? And then that becomes the goal, right? right? So it's important that we use holy and virtuous language in, in our everyday life I and agree in, in the home, man. right? Words matter. Words matter, right? So how do I teach? So I was thinking about how do I teach my kids okay. how to remember the words? Because this isn't something that you hear all the time, right? But yeah. hopefully you start using it. So how do we remember prudence, justice, Fortitude, temperance, right? Yeah. Well, if you if you take the first letter of everyone, right? So it's P J F T. So it's peanut butter jelly, French toast. Ooh, <laughs> peanut butter jelly, French toast, and like these are something. Um, this is just like something that I've I I've learned. Like it, man. So that way, that, I'm gonna remember it. Now. Peanut butter jelly, French toast, and so that way, my my kids. I who, did. I did automatically go with you on the PJ. I automatically thought peanut, peanut butter and jelly. jelly. So that's yeah. a good one. FT French, French toast. toast. All right. So, I like French uh, toast. Yeah. So this is, these are just a little, uh, a way of being able to yeah. help our kids remember. And even myself, right. To, to remember what these virtues are. Yeah. And what they are, we already talked a little bit about prudence. Mm -hmm. So justice mm -hmm. would be this enduring dispositional readiness to give another his due, like what's owed to the other. That would right. be the virtue of justice, of Fortitude, we already kind of talked about that, this enduring dispositional readiness right. to be able to pursue the good despite the difficulty, overcome the difficulty. Mm -hmm. And then temperance, this enduring dispositional readiness to moderate right. our pursuit of sensory pleasures, which involves right. food, drink, and sex. Right. So uh, at the very beginning of this, I said, like, I love like learning about the virtues because you end up learning more about other virtues you may have not even thought of. Yeah. Uh, and then how they're intertwined with one another. Right. Mm -hmm. So you were talking about justice, like giving uh, something to what is due to that person. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think we can understand what justice is insofar as like the justice system. That's something that people are very familiar with. Right. But right. we end up finding out like religion That's is right. a sub virtue of justice. Absolutely. and. and you know, people don't normally think about religion as a virtue. It's like, well, what, what do you mean by that as a virtue? Well, if we're made in the image and likeness of God, if, if God is our creator, right. uh, we should we owe something to him. Right. And religion is that which we give to God what is due to him, namely worship. Yeah. And there's the acts of religion, right? Whether mm -hmm. external or internal, internal being the heart and the mind rising up to God in adoration, mm -hmm. external acts being like sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. But the virtue of religion is an abiding habitual disposition or readiness to engage in yeah. the, the religious act, the act of worship. which is worship. Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's just a cool way of understanding like, Good okay, point. justice is not only just like the criminal justice system, right. like, you know, but it also it has to do with even more than that. Yeah. And I think a good point to bring out here, too, is that all of this is not just for the academics in the university classroom in the ivory tower. Right. Right. The rubber hits the road because this is the pattern of the good life. That's right. right. It's the pattern of how we ought to behave mm -hmm. as human beings and thus succeed in the art of being Human. human. That's right. exactly right. Yeah. So that's the natural level. So we mentioned the supernatural level. Yeah. What are the virtues on the supernatural level? And maybe you can explain what those are a little bit. Yeah. So these are the theological, what's called the theological virtues that are infused into us when we enter into the Christian life, right? And so they're faith, hope, and love. Um, and just as we just mentioned how there's a hierarchy within the cardinal yeah. virtues, prudence being the mother of all those virtues, there's also a hierarchy that St. Paul talks about. First Corinthians uh, 13. That's right. right that that um, there's a hierarchy in the theological virtues, namely uh, love, right. charity. Yep. That being the highest. That being the highest. And it's interesting. I love this thought, right? So here on earth, we're, we're, we're infused with these theological virtues, this gift that God has given us freely, right? That is just like, we have not earned it in whatsoever. It's a free, complete gift infused when we come into the Christian life. Uh, and he gives us the idea of uh, uh, the virtues of faith, so that we can believe in him and right. his promises, hope that we can endure Right. And trust in the and trust in the promises that he has given us. And then charity that that we love him with every with our whole being, mind, body and soul. And they love everything else because we love God. That's right. But then once we get if we achieve our end, like we were talking about just a little bit ago, like achieving what is the human end, the the, the goal of being the human. Ultimate in game. Right. Union with God. Union with God. Right. And so and once we achieve the union with God, these this the faith and the hope no longer be and it's all charity that's right because faith is belief based upon the testimony of our lord jesus christ right and the revelation he gives us but in the beatific vision we see we god see directly intuitively like there's no intermediate there's no mediation between my mind and god's very being right? right it's a direct intuitive vision right so faith gives way to sight that's right and hope is this desire and longing for the good but in the beatific vision i'm going to possess the good right. and rest in that good and so i'll no longer have to hope but in resting in that good i'll be loving that good that's right, right. and delighting in that good so yeah charity remains while faith and hope are no longer in heaven right. now in order to distinguish these theological virtues from the natural virtues mm -hmm. I think it's important to highlight there was one word you used twice and that is they're infused within us by god that's correct yeah that is in contrast to the natural virtues, which we can actually acquire without God infusing them, mm -hmm. and we can develop them on our own as we continuously engage in the good activities mm -hmm. that these virtues are associated with. Is that right? Yeah, and that's why, you know, at the very beginning, we talked about how even the, the early ancients, the ones before Christianity, right. could yeah. actually, you know, grow in these type of virtues. Yeah, come to understand them and practice them. That's correct. Amen. Now, it's important to point out, too, that with sanctifying grace, the natural virtues also come with the theological That's right. virtues. This is the beauty of the gift. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now, uh, in the lecture, uh -huh. I was talking about how the good life is the virtuous life. That's correct. And But in order to live the good life or the virtuous life, we need to know, have knowledge of what is actually good for us as human beings. Mm -hmm. So could you talk a little bit about the importance of forming the mind yeah. so that we know what is good 
And that will make it easier for the wheel to begin directing ourselves. We can direct ourselves in accord with that good. So the importance of basically forming our conscience right. so that we know what is good or what is bad human behavior in a concrete situation. Yeah. And I, I really put like, so I'm always putting my dad hat on, like trying to understand how do I teach my children this? Right. And yeah. there's a, there's a beautiful book, uh, the Baltimore Catechism. It's very small. It helps understand, like teach the faith in a question answer format. Right. And so it's really good to, to sit down even after dinner time, open it up and ask a question to your kids and see how they answer it. And it actually formed, it's, it's very uh, clear and it helps form even, even your own uh, personal life. Right. Right. But uh, what it says is, is like, why are we made? And there's three things that the reason why we're made to know him, to love him and to serve him in this life so that we have eternal life with him forever in heaven. Yeah. So if that's our end, like goal, like, so how do we keep doing this? How do we form this virtuous life? A couple uh, re- ways that I, I try to do this is have an examination of conscience. Okay, good. Um, at the end of the night, yeah. just just take a step, you know, take, a, take a pause right before maybe a night prayer with your wife or uh, your children and just like examine, like, what did I do today? Where were my struggles? Where did I like actually kind of get pushed away from God? Or where did I really encounter God in my day-to-day life. Yeah. Um, where were my struggles? Because to be, you can't fix something you don't know, right? right? So if you don't sit back and reflect on your day, it's hard to remember like, where was I, you know, where did I do well? Where did I, where did I falter? Where did I lose, lose you know, take a misstep? Yeah. So I think, but obviously the, the catechism is, is, is such a great tool that the church has given us, such a treasure that the church has given us to help form our conscience, to know what the church teaches. Yeah, especially in its section on morality mm-hmm. in the Ten Commandments, where it goes through each of the Ten Commandments right. and explains all of the various things that pertain or fall under each of those commandments. And that section in the Catechism serves to be a great examination of conscience yeah. because it serves as a measure against which we can measure our own behavior and our own actions to see if we're measuring up to this this law that God has revealed to us in a supernatural way, but also that we can come to know by reason alone called right. the natural moral law. Spoke a little bit about that in the lecture. So the catechism, what about the Bible? The Bible is <laughs> another great one. Also, I made it by to help to look to see what Jesus has that, to say. That's right. right. And then also like prayer, right? Yeah. Prayer is so important, right? How do you unite your will with Christ's will if you don't spend time with him to know what his will is yeah. for you in, in this life? Yeah, because in prayer, the Holy Spirit can work in our hearts and in our minds to right. inspire us with thoughts and ideas that can help better form our minds and hearts so that we can know what is good and live in accord with that good. That's right. Well, with that said, I I think the one last point we can uh, reflect on a little bit is given that prudence is the governor of the other natural virtues, Mm -hmm. the mother of them, and prudence involves seeking counsel, that leads to this idea, the importance of surrounding ourselves with wise people. That's right. From whom we can gain that counsel to help direct us in discerning good and bad, right or wrong human behavior so that we can live the good life. So maybe talk a little bit about the importance of good friendships and friends that are wise and having their hearts and minds conformed to the heart and mind of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, so we're made for communion, right? And so uh, the importance of having good friends in the moral life is is so important. So they, they say, kind of say you're the average or the sum, basically, of, of the five people that you surround yourself with the most. So you have to reflect and say, like, okay, well, who is it that I'm are my top five friends? And you stop and you think, and you're like, okay, these, th- these five people. And then you reflect and you say, well, is Jesus one of those people? 
Yeah. You know, like, it, like and is Jesus reflected in those five people? And, and is Jesus <laughs> reflected in these five people? Because like yeah. a friendship in this life prepares us for friendship with Christ in the next, yeah. right? This is what he talks about in John 15. Like you're talking about really, it's important to read the Bible and see what he has to say to us, right? In, in the living word of God is he, he tells us uh, one of the last things he does right before he, he, he enters into the passion is he tells the guys that have been around him, you know, and stuck by him and says like, guys, I no longer call you servants. Yeah but friends Absolutely. and Christ is just yearning to have us enter into a friendship with him. And, yeah. and he constantly is calling us back to him um, so that we enter into this relationship, this, this loving relationship with Christ. And so again, you, uh, the natural human friendship prepares us and, pro uh, and, and promotes us to have a, a, a life with Christ in the end. Yeah. And speaking of friendship, it's important to bring in here the friendship that we have with the blessed in heaven and, and even the friendship of the holy souls in purgatory, mm -hmm. right? Because those, uh, those departed faithful ones are members of the mystical body of Christ with us. Mm -hmm. And we have a deeper bond of friendship with them than we even have here on this earth, on this side of the veil. So it's important to always keep in mind that we need to be invoking their help, their counsel mm -hmm. through their intercessory prayers, which can benefit us to live the good life. So we're made for communion and friendship, but friendship of the highest sort, That's getting right. back to Aristotle and St. Thomas Aquinas, of virtuous friendship, That's right, right? where you're sharing that common good that's going to be perfect of us as human beings and thus lead us to authentic. Yeah. And that foundation of that friendship is the way, the truth, and the life, namely Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. That's right. Well, Adam, thanks so much, brother. Man, brother, it's it so great. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Yeah.